Welcome to Blight and Boon, the God Tear podcast that one person asked for. This is episode 1. In this episode Andrew and Dan play their first game of God Tear together. Dice were rolled, champions were slain, and rules mistakes were made. Welcome to the first episode of Blight and Boon. This is a podcast about God Tier and the playtests that's being coming done by Steamforge Games. You're about to hear a uh, chat between me and Dan, who have both committed to uh, playing it quite a lot, and our experience of God Tier. It was Dan's first game and my second. We got a fair few rules wrong. In fact, um, we only found out some of the rules we got wrong after we recorded. So what you hear, some of the things we're going to say are going to sound pretty silly. Um, the main one was what happens to a, um, a character, a champion, when they're not knocked out. Uh, we thought that when they're knocked out, they move three spaces, which is true. But after reading the um, the rules more thoroughly, um, we realised that when a champion is knocked out, they are moved by the person who knocked them out. In other words, it's not a a um, a reposition for the opponent. You can choose after knocking someone out where they go which is way better than we thought and sorts out a lot of the issues we thought that game had. <laughs> so um, that is complete rubbish, what we said before. Um, well, say before, is in the future for you in the um, podcast land. Other than that, uh, I think most of the other things we say make sense, other than the fact Dan keeps on getting Lausanne's name wrong. So have a listen. We're going to be recording an episode basically um, whenever we play. So hopefully maybe once every two weeks, hopefully more often than that. We'll record our thoughts on the game, um, how we sort of played it, um, how we used champions and so on. Hopefully it will be of some interest to you. If you have any comments or suggestions about how I played it wrong, which is likely, or um, tactics or thoughts of the game, please let us know um, on on one of our threads or on our Facebook page. Um, And that's basically it. So thanks for um, tuning in. In a minute you'll hear me and Dan talking in the past about our first um, real game of God Tier. We played a game of God Tier today. It was my second ever game, and it was Dan's first ever game of um, God Tier. So, since you're the new player, <laughs> do you want to give um, your thoughts of the of the rules as you read through them and your thoughts about us setting up the game and that sort of stuff? First, first impressions and all that. Uh, yeah, no, sure. Um, okay, so I read the rule book yesterday. Um, and initial impressions of the rulebook was it's remarkably simple. Um, there's hardly any rules. It's uh, it's really hard to say. You get a lot of war games who have a lot more rules. Um, there's no line of sight rules. There's no terrain rules. There's, there's, the action mechanic is simple. Um, you do an action, it's done. Uh, there's just and there's no combination rules. There's no interaction rules. It's simply you do your thing. It happens. The opponent does his thing. When I first read it, I was kind of concerned that it was too simple. Um, when I first saw the playtest um, at, um, at um, SteamCon, I thought maybe there isn't as much to do with with the um, characters, but that was, that's completely wrong. Because I mean, today's game was uh, two on two, and the normal game is sort of three on three, apparently, isn't it? And we had no shortage of options and and things, did we? No, not at all. Um, I think why it's simple is because 
the hex grid makes a big deal of why it's simple. So it takes away any argument where there's no possible argument about what is what there. Um, also, is because nearly everything you do is isolated. You're either given a buff to a bonus a model, so he's got a buff now, or you've given a negative to another model, or sorry, a blight and a boon, um, but the other way around. Um, and that's it. You either move your person and do an attack, or you buff, or you or you um, debuff, and that's it. So there's no win and wonderful interactions, uh, which means everything's much more simple, which means you can have a lot more options, because now you're not having to worry about how your weird, wonderful options are interacting in weird and wonderful ways. Yeah, rather than how it works, it's what I can do with it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So actually, you've got more complexity in its simplicity, if that makes any sense. Which, looking at Andrew's face, doesn't. That's my normal face, Dan. Exactly. <laughs> right, um, so... We alternate picked our champions, just to see what happened, really. Um, so I was using Rangosh... Scourge of the Broken Lands and Rodri the Dwarf. <laughs> Rodri and his other flavour text. <laughs> and you were using um Blackjaw. Yeah, I remember his name, the Orc. And Lozane, the elf. If that's the elf's name, that's what I was using. I'll look it up afterwards. And um if it's wrong, I'll edit it out. I won't do that. <laughs> um insert pause here for what you were going to say um, no I, yeah I picked those two randomly I had no idea what I was looking at when I first picked um, and it appeared that I picked two people that basically dodged everything um, which was a thing yes the first turn basically ever ran forward as you might expect um, it's interesting how in some ways losing the first turn is, is a good thing because you get the activation advantage next turn in terms of going first then again going last can be, be a big deal as well can't it yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's going to sound really bad on it if you're going to listen to this, but sometimes you want to go first and sometimes you want to go last. Um, and understanding what you want or being able to react to what you're getting is a big deal. So I lost, I won the first two rounds, which means I went second all three rounds for, for, for the first three rounds, which means I got the last activation, which means a lot of rounds are kind of like, well, actually, that last activation either won me that round or really set me up for the next round. But then again, Andrew went first for a turn, so he probably got to dictate the flow of play. So having that pick and choose, especially with the VP mechanic of how it obviously works on this this tug of rope, tug of war type rope, means that you might decide to not try and win this round anymore because you want to go first next turn, or win this round because you want to go second the turn after. It's a lot more to think about than you might think. So we all banded forwards. Um, we managed to sort of hold the middle ground first didn't we uh, beginning of turn 2 basically Rodri moved up with his dwarves and used his ultimate to really tank in the middle and him near Rangosh meant the high armour was quite effective because I was quite scared of your elves just destroying me at range um, Rangosh's followers I mean they're not bad but they're generally rolling either two dice um, we've got three of them or one um, I think it's uh, one dice from the two of them and they're facing off against your orcs, and they can do a damn thing because your orcs and um, and blackjaw their def- their dodge is so high, so so high that actually half the time I don't think we I think we just kill one all game because flailing one, away. One orc all day. So you're rolling one dice versus three dodge dice because Rangosh was doing his other things, so the slayer action didn't come into play, um, which means they were just farming off VP essentially. Uh, you discussed at the end of the game, you would be much better off not bothering attacking with them. And using them as board control, and 
minimising how much damage you could do by attacking a single hex, because you've only got, you've got less people in there. So I had a Maelstrom hero, which got to attack hexes and um, obviously a Slayer, which meant having a lot of people punched up was actually a really bad idea, uh, especially if the people punched up didn't get enough advantage to be able to do anything as your bandits. Yes, well, at one point, Blackjaw turned around and he killed sort of two hexes of followers in one go, didn't he? Yeah, I think he And got sort of five... five v- it's not VP, is it? You can't call it VP. Um, we haven't thought of a way of calling it yet. Ticks, spaces... Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's not VP, is it? Some sort of terminology. Phone in. Tell <laughs> Phone in. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's, it's, a new, it's a new Andrew's competition. Uh, just keep uh, PMing him with your ideas. That, that's not a contest. <laughs> of course it is. Um, no, so yeah, so the game kind of ended up with Rangosh and Rodri in the scoring zones, surrounded by Orcs and Elves. Um, the Orcs and the Elves won one and two, because they rushed in, they got they got the first couple of VPs. Very, um, you got enough minion, minion kills, didn't you? Yeah, and the follower kills to basically... I had longer range, so I got to pick off a couple of minions, which means... Um, you get to win the tug of war, except for round two where you killed um, Blackjaw. Now this kind of raises our most interesting point of after you're killing a champion. If you kill a champion before the champion's activated, so once they kill, they get to move three hexes. Then on their turn, get to do a full activation. And in Blackjaw's case, he gets to have three actions. So one action is to stand up and heal two health. And then another action is to move. Um, and another action is to plant a flag or destroy a flag or whatever. He found himself much more useful after being beaten up. Yeah, it makes me a terrible player, because likely, but both the game today and the one yesterday against Martin, when someone's taken out, they can move three spaces and then one action to get up. But bear in mind, they effectively got a three move for free, so in some ways they counteract their action for getting up. And then they can plant a flag, often away from everybody else and it, it, both games it's felt a bit like I was punished for for killing someone which is a little strange maybe maybe it's that I should have waited in the turn for them to um, go first maybe it's designed as, as a sort of rubber banding thing to allow them to do things but um, it was a strange feature yeah I think it's definitely an activation issue um, you want to kill your champions later in the turn than early in the turn but then again, your champions want to do stuff. So when do they want to activate? It's an interesting one. And champions are not as hard as you might think, looking at the stats. They went down fast, um, which was quite surprising. Well, it depends on the champion. Like, um, so Rangosh is very good at single target damage, but he's not great at reliability because he doesn't have many dice. Like, he had two orange or two red, I think it was, yeah. against dodge dice. Uh, I think against Blackjaw, it was two dodge dice. And against the Lozane, uh, uh, it was um, it was three. So he managed to kill him, but it's not a dead cert at all. And yeah, I mean, then again, Rangosh, I said, probably should have spent more time killing followers because you can get VP from that anyway. Um, I also should have probably had his his um, his bandits nearer him to get his ability to um, let them roll one less dodge dice themselves against targets because yes. obviously if they're adjacent to him, they their target was less, less dice for dodging, which is quite handy. No, it's definitely a thing. Um, taking off followers was very interesting. So, obviously with the bandits and the dwarves, both Rangosh and... The bandits and Rodri have powers that kind of... You get more followers back a turn than you might normally would do. So, 
a lot of the followers died, but a lot of them came back. Now, was that hemorrhaging? Not VP, VP in inserted quarters, whatever. Spaces. Spaces. Um, I don't know. It felt. I think it probably was actually. Um, it felt really good, especially giving you less models on the board and making you take activations to do stuff. So it felt like I was in control of the combat side of the game, all game, but not in control of the flags. Roger did well. Um, his guardian ability to basically um, not be moved to space was quite good. Although I think I've forgotten the rule because when he takes damage, he can shunt it onto his followers. So you only took damage once. Well, you only took damage after all your followers were dead. Did I? Okay, yeah, because um, we're saying that because um, the elf um, fired a snipe shot into Roger's face, and because Roger rolls no dodge dice because um, she's a slayer, he's got one, one dodge dice, you rolled um, fairly well on snipe and did five to him in one hit, taking out to one, dam- one hit point, and then the next turn, um, you were able to do fairy fire on him in the strategy phase, yeah. which... As far as we're aware, unless I've got the rules wrong, and it's quite interesting that having doing a podcast about a game where it's played the first time, um, because at least with Guild Ball, I kind of know the rules here. <laughs> I've, got, here I've, got, I've got four rules on already. Um, but there was a fire fire in the structure phase, which basically all to killed him, because you, he had magic defense, a magic arm of two, and he only three uh, dice, and he had one health left, and you could not kill him, assuming he didn't dodge out of the way. But he couldn't got dodge because he was a slayer. So you, so you, you picked him off in the structure phase. And then later, well, he moved away, but then he still wasn't safe where he was. Um, he was a good tank for a while, though. Oh, yeah. He didn't, he didn't go down until turn four. Then he went down twice. Um, but turn four, and he was in the way a lot. And the dwarves were, again, really hard to shift. Uh, and they were good counter, because they're, they're not slow, actually, in the tactics phase. I was quite surprised. So my orcs are speed one and speed three, aren't they? My orcs come rushing forward at speed six in the strategy phase, due to they get a bonus speed and they can get quickened by... Black jaw. So it was like, yeah! And then found out in the tactics phase the dwarfs outfret them. Uh, <laughs> so it's almost like you want to, in the um, strategy phase with the orcs, because they can move six with buffs and black jaw, right? Run and spread out and actually just like lock down areas for movement and stuff and actually use them as a skirmish screen, maybe? No, I. Um, yes, maybe. Um, let's say you want to be able to ha- know that as an option for you, depending on who you're playing. The other option is because they get to attack twice in their turn if they wanted to, using two actions to attack twice. You can move speed six, so you can rush up in the tactics phase, in the strategy phase, to anywhere you want to have two attacks against next turn, in, well, in your next tactics phase. Um, yeah, losing your attacks a big deal, yeah. Yeah, and, actually, and you can make that far away from where your opponent's thinking you're going to be. Um, so I think they can be some fantastic uh, hit and run, not even hit and run, but uh, strike and fade, as it were all over the place so I attack this one minion over here then rush across the other side of the board and attack a different minion um, and they can slowly get you some extra spaces and board control without expecting so uh, you went turn one turn two I went turn three turn four I cunningly planted a flag and then moved out of the way of it to allow you to crush it which could move my pot um, then I got angry at my own stupidity and then Mangosh killed both your champions in my activation oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> It didn't do much in the end, but it was quite fun. So he went into a damaged, rank, a damaged black jaw and um, whiplashed him, and then went into your elf and then headbutted to death. Yeah. Um, she has a lot of dodge dice, but turns out when she can't dodge, when she doesn't roll her dodges, she explodes. Yeah, four health doesn't live very long um, with only one armor. That's 
five damage with no dodge with if you don't really dodges. Um Blanchard was very interesting, he spent the entire game, bar the first turn, on two health. And that's where he wanted to be. Because he was oh, sorry, but yeah, on two health left, because he was nails on two health. Three activations is huge in that game. Also like if you <coughs> You get four spaces for taking a knocking out a hero, champion team. Yeah. Um but he then gets three ac- three actions. So he can reposition, um, get up as one of his actions, plant a flag, and then do something else, and then he's scored one more point than he got for being taken out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely that. And it's an activation issue, so they went first to do that, um, and you've destroyed a flag. Destroying flags is, is really good. Um, definitely the... Flags are very interesting. I think flags are where it's at, actually, um, in the game. I think the game kind of boils around them, otherwise... Killing things or knocking things out is kind of a supplement to that to kind of pip you over the thing. It's not a what's the word I'm looking for? A supplement? No. That doesn't replace flags. Flags is is the bomb. Yeah, board, board control and flag placement seems a big deal. Also, I quite like how if you lose the um, the turn, you choose where the hexes go, the growing objective zone, which means you can really have a big you know, a big power over sort of putting them near you. No, I agree. So losing the second turn was great because then you managed to get three hexes where you chose and there was nowhere near my heroes. Behind your heroes. Now, behind your heroes is, is where it's, it's really powerful because then you, in your first activation, you plant the flag in your scratchy phase and then you stand there. And because speed is not that high for heroes unless you've got certain specific ones. Two or three, isn't it? Really? It's two or three. Yeah. Um, and that's it. They just can't get to those flags and flags that's 5vp in total so I think the main main eyebrow I've had in both games was the reposition after being killed and how it seems to be a benefit in some ways but then again that could be intentional but also it might be if or when we play 3 on 3 you might find that's less of an issue maybe you have more activation to deal with things and stuff Uh, I'm not sure Uh, yeah I think 3 on 3 is going to be a big difference Uh, also both games so far have been 2 on 2 and there's been a very tight scrum in the middle around the objective zones, but when you have three on three, there's simply going to be less of that because they can't all fit. Um, it's probably a lot more sort of skirmishing around the outside as well, I think. Yeah, and that's an interesting one. I think it's... Because the, the the first scenario is just a three hex thing in the middle that grows. A lot of the board is not used. I would say a third of it. Is not actually even remotely looked at. Yeah, currently it could be um, probably six by six hexes, and that'd be the entire <laughs> for most of the game. Um, no, I agree, and I don't think three with this scenario. I don't even think three heroes is going to make much a difference than that, um, because you can have a hero outside running around killing stuff, but only if they're near them. Um, now, obviously, it was some heroes are better than that than others, but you don't really get outside the objectives very far like two or three hexes outside the objectives uh, combat because nobody's there because that's not getting them anything um, so yeah I think um, it just happened to be the way the game was working out that you were the quite dodge heavy side yeah. and my side was a bit tanky and a bit damagey but Rangosh's followers don't seem that great maybe it's because I was fighting against guys with a lot of dodge dice and they don't want many dice themselves in some ways they seem to be good for, for just blocking up areas and then being food for Rangosh although ultimate's costing an action's a thing right so if he 
eats his own followers to get more damage, he's only got one attack. And uh, with, with, with dodges, I think you want to get more attacks to, to really minimise the chances of them actually ignoring it, I think. Yeah, no, I found ultimates really, really strange. Now, Black Jaws was, is different because he's, when he's, because I used his after I was knocked down, which means I had three activations anyway, and his ultimate then gave me another three activations, so I had five activations, which is great. Um, I didn't get to use the elves, whatever her name is, because, well, frankly, I wanted to do something else. I didn't have, want to have one shot that turn. I think it's powerful though against some some heroes like if you, if she shot Blackjaw, Blackjaw's got three dodge dice, right? And making him have none for one shot. Yes, I mean she could probably one shot Blackjaw because of that. With well, he's got seven health, hasn't he? Um, two one armor on her ultimate turn. Yeah, certainly feel it, wouldn't he? We feel it definitely because that's I don't even like the minimum. It's not even you don't even have to roll maximum to kill him. Um, certainly, people like uh, Rangosh has got what two dodge dice, one dodge. Uh, two, yeah. So against Rangosh is not bad because he's got six health. So you know you could take him out in a single turn. It's an interesting one. I th- I think it's ultimates are limited um, by actions, and I think that's probably not a bad thing either. Yeah, it's, it's it mean it means they're an option, but they aren't like they aren't they aren't the only thing you can do. Although Rogers seemed really good um, as them go, he seemed to function even better as a guardian with his suddenly getting plus one armor and defense to. Uh, so resistance to everyone around him and himself, but well, I think I, thought, yeah. I probably popped it too early. I think. I think one of the good things Rodrigue could do is plant your flag in a strategy phase, pop your ultimate very early in your tactic phase, and you're standing on a flag. If he's behind you, you're pro- you should be able to know if your opponent can reach it using powers or not, and then it's you're done. Um, I tried to kick Rodrigue out of the way a few times to get to a flag, but he can't be moved because he's a guardian. And I was like, Ooh. "Can you stand on your on your own flag?" I don't know. Neither do I. Cool. Because <laughs> that might mean that it's it's harder to run and crush them if you plant it, then just step forward. Oh, or you, you plant it in the strategy phase and on the tactic phase move on to it. Yeah, because if, if that is true, and it might not be, and I, hopefully it's not being, because yeah, Rodri would plant the strategy in the strategy phase, walk onto it in his tactics phase, pop his ultimate and just go, well, you can't move me very far. Well, you can't, but you move one space when he gets pushed around. So that's not very far. Um, and then it's really hard to kill him. That sounds fine. Uh, if you do that on turn three, which is you know worth three, three VP if you win the turn, that's really powerful. I don't think it says anywhere. We need to look at the rules again. It's funny how it's funny how the the, the, the rules are like are very simple, but you still miss things out. Like yesterday, me and Modern played, and we thought the whole stretch phase was you go, was you go I go, and it's not. If you do the entire team, they do the entire team. Yeah. Um, which I think made that game a lot longer yesterday against Martin um, because. Having a tired turn to move and buff is much faster than alternating it. Uh, also means you can do I guess you do your combos more. Like he moves here, buffs him, and everything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, certainly in that game, I think having the other heroes up would have been useful. Like Shell has a lot of force movement, which is really powerful in that game, I think. Um, someone to engage the elf, because she had most of the game being fairly happy where she was. And her followers, do they even get touched? You killed one elf, I think, as a, as a random offshoot attack. She had nothing else to do with them. And you managed to get one because they just they, they just stand there and just shoot a lot, and they were very good at it actually. Um, 
But they want to come rushing in because they want to do fairy fire because they were doing fairy fire against dwarves. And it was like, well, actually, that's working really well. It's cancelling out their, their, their reinforcers, isn't it? Yeah, and then attacking them with a snipe, long shot, whatever it's called. Um, and it worked really well. So maybe you want to rush and attack them. But if you're doing that, atta- yeah. I think what you, the game could end up into lots. It could end up um, into one massive fight around the middle and then a separate other fight. So you have two heroes in the middle fighting off against two heroes and a third hero fighting against a third hero randomly off, side, off screen. Um, I don't know. I've got nothing to base that on apart from a random thought. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we've only seen one scenario. I think I, I do quite like the, the growth scenario because I really like how the zone changes its shape depending upon the person who loses the side of that shape. Um, it's good for sort of rubber banding it a little bit and it makes the it makes the side a bit more dynamic. Um, it does. Um, there's an argument that it's either dynamic or a little bit too random. Now, it's, it's D3, but even, you still choose where to go. Yeah, no, that's D3, I'm saying. If you roll one, you get one hex that's quite good. If you roll, if you have three extra hexes turn up, it can be huge. Um, you, you can use it to like wall off an eye from followers and stuff. <laughs> so if you have... You can wall the followers in by three hexes and a hero, and suddenly they can't move. You can have a nice big chain of them right behind so what I did I had um, my elf near the zone I rolled three in the last turn managed to chain three hexes to behind the elf which gave me a perfect place to plant a flag that you could never get to um, also one issue I found about staying in uh, I spent a lot of the game in the uh, scenario, you know the sort of scoring zone but the problem I had with that was that at one point you ran your people around your orcs around and it meant that where I was standing, I couldn't actually recruit any more followers uh, yeah, because they couldn't. Weird. They could only go next to your hero adjacent, and they couldn't appear in the, in the scoring zone because they get vaporized. Um, so basically, that was yeah. Well, okay, you've got to move now. So like, oh yeah. So the previous turn, I managed to kill all eight of his followers. Or previous turn, let's say Blackjaw, um, Black Blackjaw, and then the old, and elves and the old elves picked off the targets. Um, and there, so he had these two heroes on the edge of the scoring zones, and just five orcs, no spaces to recruit a hero. Um, he got them in eventually, but it was a, a, it was a proper, I can't do this in a strategy phase. Oh, that's some activations I don't get anymore. And that was quite interesting. So yeah, um, it was a good first game. Uh, I'd be very interested to see what happens next with um, not only um, um, playing with three on three, which we're probably going to try next, I think. Uh, but also where we actually find a big of the legacy aspect because there's none of that so far. <laughs> so actually, you know, Matt mentioned having weapon choices and level ups and things because the characters have a lot going on yeah. already, and they all seem they all seem pretty good at, at what they do. They all seem to be designed for a very good purpose. Uh, they all have quite a, an interesting niche, and you know what what else you can give to them, um, and how much more powerful they'll get over a unskilled hero. Because presumably, if they have five levels of power-ups, once they get to level five, they get pretty insane, I assume. Yeah, who knows? They could do all sorts of things. Um, hopefully, hopefully not too complex. because Extra stats, extra skills. Extra skills would be very, which would be very powerful and very interesting. Um, so, for example, the elf... Which I don't know her name. I'm sorry. Um, the elven champion has two ranged attacks. She can do in a tactics phase, which is great. Um, if your hero only could do one... And gains a second, that's really powerful. Um, but if you have a third one, you have more options, and that could be equally powerful. That's one thing I found. I, I was lacking with my, uh, some of my um, models. You had quite a few models of good attack in both phases. Yeah, um, essentially good attack 
my bandits could, um, but they weren't great against your orcs. But you had everyone who could, which meant you had a lot more flexibility in terms of attacking and uh, more dice to roll. It's always good. No, I agree with that. I think having a a, a small attack in the strategy phase is really good, um, as well as having to my if only after one game, so nowhere near an expert. Um, my ideal would be to have a good attack in the strategy phase and then two other attacks in the tactics phase and that give you a lot of flexibility to proper put some hurt on some people. What's the best thing is um, in the strategy phase you do your entire turn before they get to do anything so any attacks at all are basically entirely sort of retaliation free. You know, you can do two units attack at once without anything they can do between. No, yeah, you could do some proper um, picking on some people and that would be really powerful. But presumably they are weaker as a result of than they generally are, but I, I haven't analysed all the numbers too much yet. So, um. Fairy Fire, for example, is the Elven Archer one. It's one yellow dice per elf. Um, so against anything with only magic resistance, one, two of them, two dice to kill one follower. You can kill a follower. Dodges, of course. But... Dodges, of course. But Although with, with your elf slayer being yes, nearby. So, yes, so maybe they don't get dodges. Um, so, yeah, they could do a surprising amount of damage. Um, and if you're going second in the strategy phase, of course, then your opponent's done all their buffing and bonuses. And if you've got an extra attack and things, you can remove um, boons in the strategy phase before things got off. Um, and that's an interesting mechanic. The whole boon blight mechanic is quite cool. We need more boon dice. You do need more boon dice. Um, six isn't enough for a game. Once you together get the rules right, um, they get better. Even so. <laughs> so the rules mistake was we thought that you'd you don't use them until you use them, until you make an attack. But I thought at first that that meant if you miss an attack, you didn't use the armor bonuses because you haven't been hit. As far as I'm aware, that, that, that's not true. But even so, you can accrue them pretty fast. And um, maybe someone will sell some sort of condition dice for them on. But I think that, I think I think that, that needs has been taken by Steam Forge already. It seems. Yeah, so. I think there's some IP issue there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. Who knows? Um, you could call them something else. Status cubes. <laughs> Slights and soons or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something else completely different and I'm completely off track. Um, oh yeah, that was it. I'm interested to see what happens in the scoring zones. obviously only one objective. You could, I could easily see different scenarios having different effects while standing in it and I think that might be interesting to explore. Um, don't know what they could be. They could be more damage. They could be damaging. They could be helpful. Something else about the scoring zone. I think there's a lot of scope to play with in scenarios for that. That could be quite interesting. One thing you didn't see is um, Wraith Marid, the lizard dude. Um, he's a shaper, which mean, means his whirlpools can move through the scoring zone. Uh, they can't end on it, but they can move through it. Which means with teleport, he can do ludicrous bouncing around. Um, it's very powerful because you can get walled off and stuff. And um, all those whirlpools mainly, their main purpose it seems is to, is to help him out while they don't do much damage themselves, but even so. Yeah, well, that's that's the interesting follow mechanic, isn't it? So, for example, you get the Elven Rangers who just sit there and shoot one thing and do damage to it. Yet, Whirlpools, you do very little but buff you up. You get the Bandits who don't do very much but are good at board control. There's a lot of them. Um, the Orcs are a bit like that. Um, actually, the Orcs are pretty good. Uh, so having stun when running through someone's really good as well. Yeah, free stun. Um, you can go up to speed six with Black Jaws bonuses and Quicken and then. Speed 6 and you get to stun a bottle unit just by moving through it which you can do with speed 6 it's just like you're stunned now minus 1 dodge dice so 
Any further comments? I think the main one is the is the take is being knocked out, moving around, isn't it? That's that got us a little bit, I think, in terms of the bonus reposition is very powerful. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think it's too early to say how 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 good or bad um, things are. I think one game. <laughs> Experts, we are not. Yes, we can't. Don't know what any one plus choices are yet. We don't know what the meta is yet. Um, a meta with six models is not. <laughs> or even if there is going to be one, um, who knows? I saw four models played today, four champions, and I liked all four of them. Um, I had no idea of the combinations. Now each, certainly the Black Draw and Lisana, whatever her name is, um, bonuses could be used on different champions and different followers so what I was kind of expecting is that you can only use your certain bonuses on your followers but it doesn't seem to be the case so you can actually get some combos of I want to make sure that Rangosh gets quickened so I'll take this other champion or, or, or whatever um, and that's quite surprised me so actually there's, there's list picking is actually you can get some combos going yeah I think when it comes to um, picking your side and both opponents have got access to all six champions or more rather than share them out like we were doing there's certainly a lot of combinations you can do in terms of this building. Um, quite a lot. Yeah, so you could have Rodri's Dwarves get plus one armour from themselves and another unit get them plus one magical defence and suddenly, you know, they've got no... And another different bonus gives them plus one dodge and suddenly they're really tanky. Um, if that's going to do or not, who knows? But that's the sort of thing you could do and that'd be quite weird and who knows what will happen. Well, I think we're done. Um, thank you for listening. Um, if you have been doing, if you have been listening, like... Can't thank you because you're listening to it. You're not listening to this part anymore. This is only for those people who have listened. This thank you. Yeah. In your face, not listeners. Um, so we'll play more games and then ramble in a microphone for a bit longer when we let's play. Um, thank you. Say bye, Dan. Bye, Dan.